Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number 49 for the week of April 27th. Just a hair under 50. 2018. And we have a spectacular episode for you this week. Adam, it's Infinity War Day. We are less than an hour away. We've, we've just seen it. We're still, our minds are still a little bit melted from having seen Infinity War. Still trying to process it. And let's be honest, my mind is still a little warped from just surviving the Overlook Film Festival this past weekend. I, I tell you, we have a lot to talk about tonight. You, you just got back from a festival. I'm in full-blown vacation mode because I'm getting on a plane in the morning and heading to sunny Florida for a week. So It's been cold in Ohio, so you're actually getting some warmer temperatures. Yes, looking forward to it, but... Uh, What's been happening with you since our last podcast? Well, the Overlook Film Festival, but we have a whole section dedicated to that. So we'll we'll save it for later. Yeah. But uh, this isn't movie news, but I found it really interesting. Did you hear that the Golden State Killer may have been captured? Yes. Um, there's a lot of crossover between real-life ho- horror, you know, these serial killers in movies. And there was a book written by Michelle McNamara, who was Patton Oswalt's wife where she really brought attention back to the case. And we don't know the details yet. We don't know if she actually helped catch him, but she certainly brought attention to that cold case. This is a guy that went inactive in the 80s. And if the suspect, if the DNA comes back, he he was a cop. I mean, that's the scary thing. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Yeah. He was a police no, officer. I, I watched the report, and the thing that, that really struck me, or, or I was just blown away with, was... Like, that was a cold case until like 10 days ago, 11 days ago, they said. And they never gave a reason why it got hot again. I mean, like, was it an anonymous phone call? I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I It was like, I've seen this in the movies, but we've seen these movies about serial killers and cold cases for years and years. And then a tip breaks it and it's, you know, it's, it, and it's the hunt for him and all that. From what I understand, they, they tested some of his garbage because they don't need a search warrant to, to test your garbage in the street, and it matched the blood type. So he was a suspect. But how did they know to t- test that garbage? We don't know yet. See, that's And the we're thing. waiting on a DNA test that can confirm him, you know, with a 99.999%. So when those results will come out, I think they got the guy. Yeah. And, you know, serial killers are weird. They, they can just stop. He had, I don't even know the numbers. I think he killed 12 people and had over 40 rapes. I mean, he was one of the most uh, just prolific. horrific guy. Terrible. Absolutely. So hopefully they got him, and hopefully yeah. justice will be served. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's just a crazy story. Um, what else has been happening? Has there been, it seems like there was some film news this week, and I was going to bring it up. I can't remember what it was, though. Well, CinemaCon is going on in Vegas, oh, and there's, yes. there's tons of news out of there. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the hard part. They, they show trailers to people, but we don't get to see them. So we're going to have to wait. But some trailers went over really well. The new Suspiria trailer, a new Halloween trailer, um, the new Predator trailer. I mean, there's a lot out there that hopefully will come out in the weeks to come. Yeah. And, you know, summer's rapidly upon us if it's not already with Avengers Infinity War. And... Uh, we we'll have to do a little summer summer preview of some of our most anticipated films, you know, of the summer summer season. But this is this is not that episode because we have Infinity War and we want to talk about Overlook as well. So um, I think we ought to just jump right into it. All right, let's get into Infinity War. Okay, you're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after a little taste of Avengers: Infinity War. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. 
to wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we'll use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. Spider-Man. Okay, we are here to talk about Infinity War, the 20th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and really the the hill that we've been heading to for some time. Yes. This is the monumental event. This is what we've been waiting for, I'd say since Iron Man, but honestly, it's really the first Captain America movie where we saw the first Infinity Stone. From that point, we've been building towards this story. Thanos has been a villain on the outskirts of all the stories, and now we see his direct involvement. So, we're going to keep this review spoiler-free. We're not going to get into any plot details, really, outside of what you've seen in the trailers. We'll just talk about our general impressions of the movie, but we're also going to record a spoiler cast. Yep. So, if you want to hear our in-depth thoughts with actual spoilers and us discussing the the movie in-depth, check out the spoiler cast, which will be released in the coming days. Yeah, I'll probably release, um, I'll probably just release them together. We'll probably just do them both, you know, put them out. And that way you can choose if you want to listen to the spoiler one or the non-spoiler one. We'll make sure you know which one you're listening yeah, to. Yeah, so we'll, we'll title it. We'll have 90 seconds or more of warning in front yes, of the spoiler cast. Absolutely. So, Adam, what is your uh, general impressions? Like you said, this has been 10 years and 20 movies in the making to get us to this point. A lot of hype around this movie. A lot of people wondering about, could we be on the verge of superhero fatigue? A lot of those, just a lot going on around this this movie right now. What's your impressions? What did you think? Um, What was your response to Avengers Infinity War? Let me, the word epic is going to be thrown around, and I, I can't think of a different word. This is the most epic in its literal sense movie I think I've ever seen. With just the number of characters, the number of storylines, everything else going on, 
This is truly pop culture's most epic piece of entertainment that we've seen yet. Other movies out there like Avengers seemed epic at the times because, you know, that was six, seven characters being brought together for the first time. But there's a stable of over 20 characters in this movie. There is no backstories needed. That's the nice thing. This movie can hit the ground running because we know all these characters. They've right. had their arcs oh, yeah. and their backgrounds established in other movies. We yep. know what Doctor Strange can do, for instance. We don't need a, a primer on his abilities. So the movie has very little fat. I would say it, once it gets going, once the threat's established in the first part of the movie, it, it proceeds pretty nicely, and there's so much action. I lost count of how many action scenes are in this movie. Yeah. I think you made the comment coming out of the theater. You said it felt like, you know, the scene in um, uh, Civil War at the airport, how we were blown away by all that action. Every action scene in this movie feels like that scene from the airport. Every action scene is multiple characters, so it's not just any one-on-one fights. Right. They all use the characters so well. These characters all have different strengths. Every character has shining moments, and their, their abilities impress you. They're put on full display, so the, the Russo brothers are playing in a sandbox, and they understand every character. <laughs> well, uh, the Russo brothers just get it. They know how to create drama. One of, the, one of the knocks against this series of films has been that there's no st- real stakes. I mean, how many times can the world be threatened to be ex- you know, extinct and put out? Save the world again. Save, and you never, some of the critics, I don't necessarily agree with that, but some of the critics will say there's no real stakes. You don't really feel like there's real weight, meaning behind, like, like there's any threat to these superheroes. That's not the case in this film. At least for me, I felt like at any point we could see the end of some of these beloved superheroes. Yeah, the stakes feel real in this movie, and that's set early on. And uh, people will complain about the Marvel formula. When someone says Marvel formula, what they're talking about is that there'll be some MacGuffin. It's usually a glowing object. There'll be humor, and you kind of can predict exactly how the movie goes. This, I thought, was actually the least predictable Marvel movie. Um, I really didn't know where any of the characters were going. Luckily, I went in cold. I, I had not been spoiled on anything outside of the trailers. Yep. So the arcs that these characters go on, where they end up, who they team up with, was all surprising to me. The story took a lot of turns, and I, I just really didn't know where it was going, and that was refreshing. I, I don't think that the the trailers really spoil anything for me. As a matter of fact, Marvel are mas- Marvel is masters at misdirection in trailers and we don't get blatant misdirection but i'll just say this um i i didn't know either from turn to turn i didn't know who was going to pair up i had i i thought i had some really good educated guesses about where all the infinity you know for those of you that don't know it this is not a spoiler on this movie thanos is trying to get the six infinity stones he's trying to gather them you know and when he does he can destroy half the universe, you know, by the snap, by the snap of his fingers, you know? And so I just totally screwed up our recording by doing that, but oh well, <laughs> you know, he can just, well, hopefully half the universe is not gone. Yes. He, he, you know? And so, um, I, I'm totally surprised. It, I mean, I, I was blown away by how well this film was crafted. Um, I loved it. I, I'm just not fanboying cause we saw it an hour ago. I mean, we do this every week. You know, we're, we go to the movies every Thursday and we record a podcast. So I've kind of gotten used to don't overhype it because you just walked out of a the theater because you may feel differently 
I'm probably going to be even more hyped about this movie the second and third time I see it because there's just so much going on that I didn't catch. There's some all-time set pieces in here, I think. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, it's tough to say. This is top of the charts for me in the Marvel Universe. This could be the new number one. I've only seen it the one time, and it feels a little unfair to rank it already. But it's it's top three for me, and it's an honest-to-God shot at top one. I, I have to agree. I mean... I went in with, with high expectations and, and thought, man, this is a chance to really hit it out of the park. And I, in my opinion, they did. Um, full of action, uh, full of drama, full of tension, full of humor. And, 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 pay, and humor. The Marvel placed, humor. The Marvel humor placed appropriately and not just the same not just the same characters delivering the same lines for the same be- different beats of humor which I thought was really good, you know? Um, yet yet at the same time, characters, knowing characters, just seeing, it, just, just uh, I'll throw out a hypothetical here, just seeing a, a Drax and maybe uh, Iron Man together, you know, that odd combination, what's, what's that all about, you know? And seeing them have to interact with each other was really cool. Yeah, and the Russo brothers, all credit given to them, there's a lot of characters here they've never touched before. They have a lot of experience with Captain America and those people because of Winter Soldier. And then their toy box and sandbox got expanded with Civil War. They got to use more characters. But here you're introducing the Guardians and so many other characters that they have never written for. They've never directed. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, James Gunn was on set helping during all the Guardian scenes. But everything felt right. Yeah. They all felt oh, like yeah. the characters were portrayed as we've seen them portrayed in their own films. And there's some tricky characters like Doctor Strange. I thought was handled excellently in this movie. Uh, you know, you wonder how you're going to handle a, a wizard in this kind of a setting. And man, and and then I mean, let's just Benedict Cumberbatch just brings it. He just knows how to play that eccentric, you know, wizarding kind of guy. I mean, he just brings it. It's excellent, you know, and. Um, I thought uh, Peter Parker as uh, as Sp- playing Spider Man. I thought you know his character was great. I thought the use of him was great. Um, he's still that bouncing all over the place and and can't hardly get a hold of him. And and to see him interacting in life threatening situations, you know, was was pretty was interesting to see. You know. Oh, how about this? Until now, the Guardians have been in their own side of the universe. They've not interacted really, with the MCU at large. No, you're right. So this is the first implementation with these other characters, and it was just effortless. Effortless. They fit right in, and they... They flowed right together. And there was some real good original humor when you throw them together like that, which I thought was great. I mean, this movie had such a potential to be a big dud, to really bomb, because you got 20 actors. I mean, 20 characters here. You're trying to... And they just worked. These Russo brothers just signed them up for all the rest of the movies. I'm telling you. They won't have to work again after their whatever take they get on the back end of the box office. I'm telling you one thing. I think this movie is going to have huge lasting power. Because people... uh, Well, let me shift gears a little bit here. The reaction coming out of the film was very interesting. Because it's very emotional. And uh, the reaction in the theater was very emotional for good and for, you know, dramatic effect as well, too. 
Don't want to get into a lot of that. We'll save that for the spoiler cast. But um, I think this movie may have a little bit longer legs than I thought it was going to have. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Thanos. He's really the only new addition. Well, his children. We've had Gamora and Nebula before, but we see more of Thanos' children in this one. And these yeah. are all new CG characters. And we don't know much about the children. They're all menacing. They're all powerful. But I thought Josh Brolin gave a really good performance as Thanos. He's not one-dimensional in the least. No, absolutely, Adam. I completely agree with you. Thanos' performance is so multi-layered and um, sincere and heartfelt. And there's just so much there with him. Man, he's just solid. I mean, he just... I, I don't think... I don't think if if the CG doesn't work for him and his and the dramatic performance doesn't work, the acting's not there, you lose this movie. Yeah, he carries it. And you know what? He's a big guy, but... You know, I, I don't know how it was filmed on set. I would be curious because he's probably 10 feet tall. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So the actors are usually acting like looking at a tennis ball on a stick to get his eye level. And I don't know that Brolin was on set. He may... He did some of the mocap, I believe, and I, he did all the voiceover work. But yeah, Thanos sells it. He's got his objective. He's going about it, but he's not necessarily ruthless, or you know, he's he's on his mission, but he's not just taking people out to take people out. Sure. If that makes any sense, you'll understand yeah. more when we get into the spoiler cast. But here's the thing: going forward, whatever Phase Four looks like for Marvel, I don't know how you top. Thanos for a big bad. It, it, this is like the pinnacle. I don't know how you could ever have a bad guy work, you know, better than this. And and but I've said that before about Marvel movies, and they always seem to top it. You know, and when you compare it to Justice League, Thanos is going about kind of the same business that Steppenwolf was in the Justice League movie, trying to get the MacGuffins. And it's so much better here because Steppenwolf would grab a box, a mother box, and run. Right. Where Thanos is sending out his minions, he's going about it, and it's all built into the story a little bit better. Yeah. Even though he's doing the same thing and he's just gathering quest items, it's a lot more compelling. No, I agree. And, um, you know, this movie's gorgeous, beautifully shot, incredible special effects, incredible action sequences. Uh, This is a movie that will look incredible. If you have a nice 4K or 1080p big screen TV, it's going to look incredible on your TV. But it is definitely worth going to the theater and seeing. You know, uh, we saw it in 3D. And I don't know if this is a trend on 3D anymore, but like once the movie starts, I can't hardly even tell. I I don't remember it's even in 3D. It doesn't really register. I think there was one or two scenes... Where I was like, oh, okay, this is 3D. There's no gotcha shots. There's no spear no. coming through the screen. Yeah. The parts that register in 3D are some of the star field effects, like when they arrive yes. in debris. And the space stuff looked better than the Earth stuff. I will, say, I will say the battle in Wakanda, when there's a lot of alien horde attacking, looks pretty good in 3D. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I, if you have to see this anyway, it's a longer movie. It's, I think, 234, 240. Yeah. I would see this just regular because of the length. Yeah. Now, in our group that went and seen it tonight, my, my two kids went, and then you and I went, and then um, uh, two of our other friends went. I think all six of us were positive on the film. It was unanimous, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one comment was they thought it drug a little bit in the beginning. 
I didn't necessarily feel that at all. I, I knew they were trying to lay the groundwork for this story. And also, you have to remember, you have people that are not crazy Uber fans like us that follow all these movies and the storylines and read the background stuff. So they have to kind of fill people in. Why are these stones important? Where have we seen them before? That kind of thing, you know. But they don't. There's no, like, Captain Exposition. Oh, no, no, there, is, no, there yeah. is none. But they do it in a way that lets you know this is really important with these stones, you know. And honestly, you could see this movie not having seen any of the Marvel movies, and it's still a good film, I think. But it's not going to have the same impact on you. No. Than if you if you taken the journey and gone along with the nineteen previous films. No, I, I agree absolutely. So, what else can we say about it, Adam? What else do you want to talk about? I mean, we we've, we've do covered... you have any nitpicks? As we sit here now, that's a great question. I think, um, not without getting into spoilers. Okay. So <laughs> Just generally, so generally, no. There were a couple specific details that I thought, oh, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I like how they handled that. Um, but we'll get into that in the spoiler yeah. episode. Yeah. But yeah, for me, I thought, uh, I kind of don't have any general nitpicks. The, the script was fantastic for balancing the load that Absolutely. all these characters have to carry. And I thought the pacing was good. And here, here to the Russo brothers who directed what, what may go down as a masterpiece. And you know what? Honestly... This is the same length as some of the Lord of the Rings movies and some of the earlier Harry Potters. This didn't feel as long to me as those other films. I, I was shocked that when we got out and it was 1030 and I was like, wow, that was a long movie. If I didn't know the length and I, I walked out and someone asked me how long it was, I would have thought right at two hours. I, I would have said the exact same thing. That's yeah. what it, it feels like. Yeah. wise. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our non-spoiler coverage of Avengers Infinity War. Please keep a lookout in your RSS feed for our spoiler cast of Infinity War. Um, There's so much to talk about with this movie. So go see Avengers Infinity War and then download and listen to our spoiler cast in the same feed. So we're going to come right back. We're going to talk about your trip to the film festival, man. The whole rest of the podcast is horror oriented. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm excited to hear about your trip. I've heard a little bit, but I think our, our listening audience will be excited to hear it as well. You're listening to the Film Coterie podcast. We'll be right back after the music. back and uh we have a film festival the overlook film festival to talk about adam uh traveled down to the bayou to nolens nolens louisiana and uh spent four days down there at a horror themed film festival adam share your thoughts what was your trip like what was the festival like it was fun uh, this is my second year going to Overlook, and this is the second year of the Overlook Film Festival, so we, we have a 100% participation rate. This used to be the Stanley Film Festival, but it's been reborn in this new format, and so far it jumps city to city. Last year it was in Portland, 
This year is in New Orleans. We don't know where it'll be next year. But I can tell you this. I will be there. I've had such a good time at the last two overlooks. I, Outside of some extenuating circumstances, I, I don't see myself missing it. It's one of my favorite highlights of the year now, that and Fantastic Fest, where there nice. just can't miss events for me. So I have survived four days in the French Quarter. It's a little long to be in the French Quarter. It's a very touristy spot. Yeah. And it is a very silly place. And it, you, you did a long weekend in the French Quarter. I was there Thursday to Monday. And everybody that I talk to says, visit the French Quarter Monday through Thursday and yeah. avoid it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> uh, it's another dimension. Um, you walk out on the street any time of the day and there's just performers everywhere. There's people dressed up. There's magicians. There's tarot card readers. And there's cocktails everywhere. There's no uh, open container law, so you can just walk around with your hurricane in hand and booze it up. It's like I said, if you thought Camelot was a silly place and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the French Quarter is the silliest of all silly places. So had fun, but like I said, I'm glad to be home. Uh, it is the home of voodoo. Well, the American home of voodoo. And I, I got you something a little special. <laughs> oh boy, I've heard about this. Well, you don't know what it is. It's in this envelope. Oh boy. Now, if you don't know, Roger can struggle watching horror movies sometimes. <laughs> So I was I was just thinking about him and how I can protect him. You'll bring me back some courage, aren't you? I got you a talisman. Nice. <laughs> this will protect you from evil spirits. Oh, that's awesome. It's from Reverend Zombie's Voodoo Shop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's, Roger's looking at it now, it's basically a bedazzled chicken foot. <laughs> I like it. The legend goes that if a, a curse or hex or something's going to be put on you, it gets put on the chicken foot instead. That's right. So if this thing shrivels up and looks any more dead, <laughs> yes. I know it worked. There you go. So, well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate that, man. There you go. And a free calendar, too, from Reverend Zombie. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thanks. So Overlook is a great balance between the horror movies that it promotes and also some live events. They bring in authors, storytellers, and something I dipped my toe into this year is some of the immersive theater. So last year we focused on movies. I thought maybe we we jump into some of the immersive theater that I experienced. Oh, this sure. Year. Absolutely. So the first one I did was called In Another Room. And this is an experience for three, this time instead of one. And if you don't know immersive theater, it's a it's a chance for you to be in a little 10-minute scene where instead of watching from an audience you're actually right in the midst of it. Okay. You're performing with the actors. They're interacting with you. You're interacting with objects. And I got to say, it's effective. It's very different than passively watching something. There's something to be said about being right there in the middle of a scene, looking around what's happening, what's behind me, and all that. So in another room was a ghost story. And it involved a Ouija board. I don't want to spoil too much because they may replay this performance. Right. But it... It definitely worked and was creepy because we had a, we went to a room. It looked like a room from the seventies and a teenage girl invited us to come and, and use a Ouija board with her. Oh man, forget it. I'm not involved in any of that. And there's a ghost in the room and she would come up behind each of us and help us move the planchette and whisper in our ear the answers to whatever the girl asked. Nope. I'm not going to be a part of that. <laughs> 10-minute scene, I thought it was highly effective, and you know what? I was a little nervous to do some of this stuff because I just didn't know what you're getting into. Sure. 
if in another room is there, I, I would do it again in a heartbeat because it, it wasn't made to be a jump scare or mess with you. Or, there's no waiver to sign. So it is just a creepy moment that you get to share. And I, th- I thought it was effective. Um, and it was fun. Cool. Immersive theater is kind of becoming the thing. You on know? the coast, not in the Midwest here no, in Ohio. But I mean, literally, I, you, I listen to these podcasts out on the West Coast and like they're everywhere. They're, you know, all different themes and styles and stuff. And so that's kind of cool that you got to experience something like that. It feels like you're in a movie because here's the thing. You get instructions. We go about our normal lives, but when have you ever had to go somewhere at midnight, stand on a corner and meet a stranger? That weird, you know, you're doing this and you're like, what am I doing? So that it kind of gets your adrenaline going a little bit and not knowing what you're about to walk into or experience. So I think that's the the high of the experience. It's just the unknown. Well, you know, and I'm going to show my nerd card here a little bit, but um, one of the funnest experiences that my wife and I ever had, I don't know if she had as much fun as I did, was... We went and we, we stayed at a uh, an immersive theater castle here in Ohio, and it was a murder mystery deal. Okay. And so we went, spent the night, full costume. You're handed a, a script. You become a character. And, and when you check in, you go upstairs, you get dressed into your character. My wife was one character. I was another character. You're told a little bit about your backdrop, who you are, you know, and then who you don't like in the that's coming to dinner tonight and who you do like that's coming to dinner. And then when you go downstairs, you're, you have to be in character the whole night. And, um, that was a lot of fun. Of course, somebody gets killed the whole nine yards. You have to figure out who, who did it, that kind of thing. And it's revealed at breakfast the next morning. Uh, so that was my only experience with interactive, somewhat immersive theater kind of experience. And, uh, it was a blast. I had, I had total fun doing it. The other experience was called the Infinitely Dinner Society. Now this, just you talking about this, really I thought was strange. (laughs) I shared my instructions with Roger. I texted him because I got an email the day before giving me a street corner, meet here, a time, midnight, and a person. I was to meet the chef. And said I would know the chef when I saw them. (laughs) And I had to approach the chef alone. Okay, stop right there. You've already said words that would have stopped me in my tracks. Midnight on some random corner in the French Quarter. No, not going to happen. But go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, no. I I was on my corner at the appointed time. The show was having some technical difficulties. So they're running a little bit behind. So a, a few people who had time slots after me started showing up. There was a backlog. So I had some strangers to talk to. But again, the rule was I had to approach the chef alone. If I was with someone, the chef would not talk with me. So the chef arrived. It was a, a lady that showed up. She had a striped apron uh, and a masquerade mask. And uh, I crossed the street, went over, and said, are you the chef? And I showed my badge, as I was instructed to do. And she didn't say anything. She grabs my hand. We walk hand in hand for two or three blocks. And she stops right in front of a police barricade a legitimate police barricade moves it and takes me into an alleyway. Oh my gosh. Forget it. A well-lit alleyway right next to an old church. Oh my gosh. No way. And it was just us. And all I knew for the event was that I was going to be eating bananas foster because it's the dinner society. So she takes me halfway down the alley and right there on the floor in front of me is a pair of headphones 
And to the right is a bowl with bananas foster in it. And then she moves behind me where I can't see her. I think she puts her hand on my back, but she just stands behind me out of my eyesight. And we stand like that for, felt forever, is probably five minutes. Nothing's happening. I'm looking around. I know someone else must be coming because there's another pair of headphones and another banana foster just oh 10 gosh. feet away from me. So finally, the other side shows up. Another chef brings in a, a man I've not seen before, but he was at the Overlook Festival. And she brings him and stands him in front of me. We have about 10 feet between us. And we're just staring at each other. Nothing's happening again. It's just awkward silence. So the chefs put the headphones on us. And this audio starts to play about this is your stranger. Everything has an opposite and this person is your opposite. Oh my gosh. And you're both just staring at each other, listening to headphones. They start talking about more opposites, hot and cold. The banana's foster's frozen. So they put it in your hand. You're holding this wet, dripping bananas foster kind of ice cream mix. It has a candle in it. Then they light it, and there's the fire. And then the chefs cover your eyes. They, they put their hands from behind you over your eyes. And when they move their hands away, there are two dancers in front of you. And they perform a very elaborate routine where they are balancing each other with one is on the ground, one isn't. They're holding each other up. They're oh rotating. My gosh. And then you're just told you can eat the bananas foster and leave. After you've experienced this weird thing, you've met your stranger. The dimensions have been crossed on this New Orleans night. No, that's pretty strange right there. It was very strange. Wow. So, Not very horrific, horrific outside. No, outside, no horror elements outside. But outside Vietnam. of the elements you were in, it's very surreal and kind of supernatural a little bit. You're out of your comfort zone because here I am in New Orleans in the French Quarter. And it hits me like, what am I doing? It's midnight. I'm walking hand in hand with this person. I have no idea where I'm going, who this is, what I'm about to experience. So that's all very odd and unsettling. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, and then did you you had to walk back by yourself? The three blocks you'd walk, right? It was close to the hotel where okay. we were done. Honestly, I, I went and hit around the corner, ate my bananas, Foster, and watched the next person go. Just out of curiosity, <laughs> it's the same thing. But yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> You turned into the sleuth, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. You got into this immersive role-playing, Adam. Well, they have a game. I never play the game, but there is a, a murder mystery style, very interactive game that goes on through the festival. But if you want to engage in that, you miss movies. Yeah, sure. So, and I'm there to cover movies, so I, I just don't have time for yeah. the immersive game. Speaking of movies, I think you did see a movie or two while you were there. I saw 15. <laughs> Over my four days of the festival. Okay, so so give us some of the highlights of what you liked and what you saw. I will say this. They had 23 or 24 features, which was an increase over last year. They were using three screens instead of two, and their setup was pretty good. They were using a little community theater for their premiere screen, and then there's a chain I wasn't familiar with. We don't have them up here called Cinebare, which looked like a Regal, and that was in a mall where they had their two other screenings, so you could see it on a real screen, real sound, everything else. It wasn't a conference room like last year. Out of all the movies I saw, I was most hyped for Hereditary. This is a trailer that I get amped up for every time I see it in the theater. The buzz from Sundance and South by Southwest is that this is potentially a new horror masterpiece. And I know you struggled to even watch the trailer. Yeah, the, the trailer... Just wigged me out. I was like, oh, 
I wanted to just cover my eyes and and cover my ears and be like, don't don't watch any of this. Don't take this in. This is too scary. Now that I've seen Hereditary, one, I flat out loved it. It's very different. I can't think of anything it's really like. I'm not going to spoil anything. I will say go in as cold as you can. This is a unique film that balances both drama and horror. The elements are both there. Very strong. Amazing debut for first time uh, feature filmmaker Ari Aster. So, so is this a, is this kind of a pattern we're falling into with some of these horror films, Adam? Where we we got Get Out last year, which was horror yet very strong social commentary. I mean, real meat to it. You saw Hereditary, Hereditary horror film, yet very much a drama. You know, I will say this. I mean, Get Out had some of the social issues, and it was definitely a horror film. This is more true to the bone horror. Um, when you talk classic horror and you think this isn't spoiling anything, you think exorcist, shining Rosemary's Omen, baby yeah. Omen, this fits into those. Okay. I've been thinking about this movie most days since I've seen it. I can't wait to see it again in June. There's, there's people here in town, part of Columbus that I'm very excited for them to see it just cause I want to dialogue about this movie. Um, I'll say the reception at this fest was through the roof positive. Um, I was watching social media. I think everyone who saw it loved it. Wow. And, I mean, I don't want to hype it too much, but you don't have to worry about this one not meeting your expectations. If if you're a horror fan, sure, this feels like something truly special. Excellent. So that's Hereditary. What, what else did you see that, you, um, that kind of jumped out to you? I'll jump into the smaller stuff here, but real quick, Upgrade uh, is coming from Bloomhouse Tilt. Yep, looks good. That delivers. It's fun. It's such a crowd-pleasing movie. I'd say it's the best crowd-pleasing movie I've seen since Brawl in Cell Block 99. Nice. Spontaneous applause. The hero rises to the challenge. Lots of good humor. And just an amazing use of its budget. It looks like a much more expensive film than what it actually costs to make. And hopefully it's actually going to be the start of a franchise now, here. Now, isn't isn't um, this film where he gets some kind of a spinal implant... And it, like somebody's talking to him or something, or takes over his body and can move him. Yeah. In a nutshell, it's a revenge film. Right. The guy and his wife are attacked. They murder his wife. They leave him paralyzed. Man shows up and offers him the chance for revenge. I have an implant that'll interact with your brain and take over your body. And it's like Siri or Alexa. You can talk to it. So that's that. That's the part that's kind of weird, creepy, but yet kind of fun for me. Yeah, I like it. And he's a normal guy. He's played by Logan Marshall Green who I'm only familiar with from The Invitation. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen him in anything. Yeah, you saw The Invitation. That was the dinner party movie. Right. He was the lead, and he just plays kind of a dour guy. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is a good role for him. He actually got the job because of The Invitation. Okay. But there's a lot of humor into this movie because he's getting his butt kicked in a fight, and the, the AI implant says, would you like me to take over? And it does, and he does this good job of fighting, but he looks terrified the whole time because he's not in control of his body. Right. You know, he's taking out these guys, and there's lots of funny humor where he yells, he's got a knife, and the, the body takes the knife away from the guy, stabs the guy, and you hear the implant go, we've got a knife. <laughs> so, like I said, very crowd, ple- very good crowd pleaser, and I, I think it'll cross over to the mainstream for those people that see it, a little bit like the first John Wick did. Because it's a weird little universe, very yeah. fun performance, yeah. and it, it has franchise potential. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it when it comes out, absolutely. So give us a couple other films, or another snapshot of some other good stuff that you that you saw. So I'm going to be releasing my top ten. 
this wasn't just like a, oh God, I got to put together a top 10. These are all legitimately films I enjoyed. One that was really different, I'll mention briefly, was called Sex Madness Revealed. Okay. So Sex Madness is an old exploitation film that came out in the area in the era of reefer madness. Okay. It was designed to scare you away from unprotected promiscuous sex. Had the opposite effect. Right. Uh, but what this is, is a commentary to that movie. You still see the original movie. But there's a setup where they have Patton Oswalt playing a podcaster. Okay. Who's obsessed with movies. He's called the movie dick. Being detective, but obviously right. the fun joke of a movie fanboy. Yes. And he comes across a guy who swears he knows the secrets of sex madness. And he's going to reveal a very dark history to this movie. So the two of them are watching this movie and it gets weirder and weirder with them talking. Because this guy is is the nephew of the director. Okay. It's all fake. But he's telling a lot of, there's a cult, there's murder, there's blackmail. And it was very funny because he's telling stuff and you're getting a backstory for why this actor delivered a line bad or looked scared at something off screen. So, unlike Mystery Science Theater 3000 or there's throwaway jokes or stuff, this is building to a bigger, sure, funny conclusion of, yeah. of this Lovecraft-esque story of the real meaning behind Sex Madness, the film. Cool. Uh, new Puppet Master. This is the world premiere of kind of a surprise Puppet Master movie. Yeah, I have to say, I've missed the first six Puppet Masters. Six. I think there's been a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's cool. Puppet Master was always straight to video. I don't think any of them were ever really in theaters. I, I always remember when I worked at Blockbuster, seeing them on the shelf every uh, in the horror. This it's just like one after another w- would be put there. They were all video store hits, and I remember I worked in the video store too. But I rented these movies when I was younger. They had cool boxes and oh yeah. The Puppet Master series was one of those series where it felt like a new movie could come out, and the time between when you rented it and when you took it back the next day. You rent Puppet Master 5, Puppet Master 6 might be there the next they day. just somehow, pop in. Somehow it showed up. They phase in from another dimension, and there yep. they are. What's interesting, I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about video stores back in the day and how many, there. there's whole sets of movies that were huge hits that never made it to the theater, were straight to Blockbuster or video store release. And they said that it was the cover art yep. made all the difference in the world. And... Like as an example they gave was if if you would put Denzel Washington on the cover, it would do okay. But if you put a gun in his hand, it did extraordinary. And so there were all these formulas. They learned these formulas, these marketing companies and distribution companies, and they would um you know use all these tricks of the trade. Like say say uh, somebody wins an Academy Award. And then they did some throwaway movie that went straight to video, and they may have had a thirty second part in it. All of a sudden, they're on the cover, Academy Award winning so and so is you know. So I, I just find that kind of funny. All these all these video store. We could do a whole podcast on video store legends, you know, stuff that went on at video stores. But yeah, cool. Sorry, I'm rambling oh, there, no, no, Adam. No, no, I'm no, sorry, I'm I'm kind of rambling here with you. You went into the good old days of the video yes. store, but that's where Puppet Master lived. Yeah. So here's what I'm I'm very pleased to report is that the new Puppet Master, it's called Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich, feels like those old Puppet Master movies. This isn't them trying to elevate. I really, I want to see one now that you keep saying this about. Them. They were goofy horror movies where they didn't really resolve anything, and they just said to be continued at the right. end. Right, exactly. It was an ongoing saga of Puppet Master, and there was never much story there besides the fact that these were little 
Nazi puppets that a toy maker came up with, and then they retooled it to make him the good guy. <laughs> no course. one really knows the whole saga. But of course. Here we go. It's a reboot. Andre Toulon is now the bad guy again. He's a Nazi scientist who created toys that were going to hurt Jewish children or whoever else managed. They're deadly toys. His puppets come to life and kill. But it takes place at a convention. And there's so many puppets. There must be 40 to 60 of them in this movie. Different versions of the same puppet all coming to life. Now, you should know this. The script is by S. Craig Zoller, who wrote Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Bone Tomahawk. The producer got on stage before the movie premiered and said, you know what? With a script by Zoller, we knew we weren't going to get an R rating. We oh, did yeah. not even try. Nope. The gore on this is so over the top, just like his other bone crunching with splattering effects that there's... Yep. It's not going to be rated. No. So lots of laughs. Crowd dug it up. Applause. Great characters. Thomas Lennon from Reno 911's in it. Nice. And it ends in the same way. It feels like a Puppet Master movie, and I hope they actually make more. I think there could be a resurgence in this little bit slice of life horror movie section because it just feels like such a fun throwback that it's not concerned about being politically correct. It's offensive. These are Nazi puppets, and they target people. Uh, the humor is absurd. The violence is there, and there's just pointless gratuity nudity. It's, it's it very much in the vein of the old school horror movies, and it cool. knows what it wants to be. Okay. Well, it sounds like you had a great film festival, a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we'll talk about more in my article, but real quick, there's another documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards about the Monster Squad. Yes. And this is actually written by, it was produced and directed and starring Andre Gower, who played Sean, right, the lead kid in the Monster Squad. And this is him, years later, looking back at the movie, how it was made, and then the effect of the fans finally bringing it back to life, because this was a film that existed on in theaters where it bombed. It opened against Lost Boys and had some bad advertising. And then it only existed really on HBO and video. It never jumped to DVD or Blu-ray or streaming, so it vanished for 20 years. And fans brought it back. Fans that were our age really liked the Monster Squad. Awesome. By the way, it was written by Shane Black and directed by Fred Decker. Uh, How can you go wrong there? (laughs) Six months before Lethal Weapon, you know? Yep. So the documentary's fun. I, I think we might get an interview out of this recently. We're working. Yeah. But um, I don't know how it's going to come out. But if you're a fan of the Monster Squad, you're going to want to check this out. Some of the more interesting parts of the documentary are actually the interview segments with Fred Decker because he's talking about his complicated relationship with this film. He doesn't know how to feel that it's a hit now. It nearly derailed his career. Right. He said it's like shooting a basket and doesn't go in for 20 years. Yes. Yeah, he's tough. not the same person he was when he made it. And he wants to say these answers that he loves the fans and he likes his connection, but he just doesn't know. He's conflicted. And, you know, he honestly thinks some of the stuff in Monster Squad is the best things he ever shot, like the conclusion of the movie and and all that. So yeah. I really dug well, I'm, lo- I'm, I'm looking forward to taking my son, and I may let son and daughter, if Tori wants to watch it too, I may, I'm, I'm interested in taking them through the journey to get their reaction to a what 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 is now a classic, well-loved, you know, kind of a cult-followed 80s young adult, you know, horror movie kind of deal. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, here's the thing about it. When I discovered as a kid, I don't know if it was HBO or VHS, it was one of those two. I, I first saw it at home on the small screen. It instantly hooked me because all the Universal monsters are in it. Oh, yeah. It was a, I'd never seen them all together before. And it felt like an Amblin movie, but more dangerous. The kids felt like they're in peril in this movie where they may not in the goodies and, and some of those other. Yeah. More Amblin style 80s yep, movies. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So you, you just you know with the Amblin movies, they're not going to really die. They may be scared on the verge of it, but Spielberg's not going to allow them to kill a kid. You know. So this was just, I mean, Monster Squad was just an edgier version of those films, and yeah. I, I fell in love with it as a kid. I, I still enjoy it as an adult, so I had a lot of fun with this documentary. Awesome. It's a good mix of nostalgia and some new information. Awesome. So anything else, Adam, from the festival? Uh, just look for my article soon. I'll give some more in-depth information, but uh, just for titles I love, there's uh, Satan Slaves. Not the best title in the world, but it's a very good ghost story about an Indonesian family. Okay. Uh, Unfriended Dark Web is a sequel name only. I never saw the first Unfriended, which had some supernatural elements. This is an effective techno thriller about just not getting the wrong person's laptop <laughs> and what someone can do to you online. And it all takes place on a computer screen. I'm actually interested in you seeing this movie because I'm curious about your take on on whether or not the, the way they shot this movie was effective. Sure, absolutely. Arizona with Danny McBride is a sort of a hostage comedy thriller. That was fun and effective. In the spirit of the Coen Brothers, maybe a little bit, yeah. It felt like a meaner Coen Brothers movie. Okay, cool. And uh, What Keeps You Alive, uh, Colin Minahan, who did uh, It Stains the Sands Red, and he produced Stillborn. This was a, a movie that took some very appreciated twists, because it's a survival in the woods story, but it has those common elements, but it goes in some very unexpected direction, and is just a fun watch between these two people that are in the woods and have a complicated relationship. You know, it's one you don't want to spoil. I don't know how they're going to cut a trailer for this because, you know, it just goes in some unexpected direction. So (laughs) I really liked what keeps you alive. Cool. All right. Well, you know, that's actually going to wrap up the podcast for this week. We, I've enjoyed talking about Avengers infinity war, and I've really enjoyed you catching us up with the overlook film festival. Please keep an eye on our RSS feed. Keep an eye on this feed because coming along with this podcast, we're going to do a spoiler cast where we go head over heels into Avengers Infinity War, which we both loved. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of The Film Coterie. Adam, where can they find us on on the interwebs? The best place is always Facebook or uh, facebook.com backslash film coterie. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Vero with the same hash, the same uh, tag. It's at Film Coterie. That's our handle. Awesome. And you can find us on any of those sites. And we do have a website, too. We have a website, FilmCoterie.com. And finally, we've announced it, but we're going to be promoting it in the weeks to come. We are going to be at Marcon here in Columbus. We yes. Have, we're both some panelists. Very excited about that. And I am programming a fun Saturday night of short horror films. Yes. Yeah, so we'll probably talk a lot about that next week because that'll be the week before... Uh, we go to Marcon, but I'm really looking forward to that. <coughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the panels I'm going to serve on and uh, looking forward to our your. Um, I've seen some of the shorts that you're going to be showing us uh, on our Saturday night party that we're going to throw. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. We'll see you next time.